Hi, this is Jonathan Milligan, author of Your Message Matters, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringle. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here, host of My Quest for the Best, the podcast for ambitious small business leaders. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished experts who want to share their knowledge and experiences in order to help you be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating toward more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today on episode 401 is Jonathan Milligan. Jonathan Milligan is an author, blogger, speaker, and online business coach. He spent the last decade guiding and directing creative professionals on how to pursue meaningful work. Since 2009, Jonathan has run his own portable lifestyle business online. Today, he teaches others how to build a business with their passion, story, or message. Jonathan lives in Jacksonville, Florida with his wife, Charity, and their two kids, and is here to talk about his book, your message matters, how to rise above the noise and get paid for what you know. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, Bill. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you with me. Now, Jonathan, when you were growing up, who was someone that influenced or inspired you? My grandfather. As a kid, I would get a chance to go to his hardware store, and it was a hardware store that he owned in a small town in Indiana. I remember getting the first glimpses of what it was like to own and run a business. And I saw how he interacted with his employees, how much the customers loved him. He showed me how to use one of those old-fashioned pricing gun stickers. And I would get to put the little price tags on the items on the shelf. And he taught me how to mark up. He said, this is what we paid for this. We're going to mark it up 33%. That's how we make money. And as a 10-year-old boy, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Those were the seeds that got planted in me that one day I wanted to run a business. What about the way he interacted with his customers or employees stuck with you? Because that's like the magic of having great retail interactions or any, any kind of customer interaction really is being able to do certain things, listen certain ways. What is an example that comes to mind as a, that epitomizes the way that your grandfather talked to and treated other employees or customers. He was always cool as a cucumber, as they say, and he had a big laugh. People would oftentimes in the store, they would wonder where he was. They would say, be quiet for a second because you're going to hear his infectious laugh. People loved him and he trusted them too. In a small town in Indiana, he would have outside of the hardware store where the plants and the springtime mulch and all that, he would have an honesty box where people could put the money in and just take whatever they needed. They loved him, they trusted him, and they saw him as somebody they wanted to do business with. I noticed right away that supplying a particular product matters. It's the experience that people get and how you make them feel that's so important. After college, you went on and became a teacher. Wasn't that your first career? It was. Was there, was there a time when you were a teacher and maybe being a teacher is not easy. I've done the two. Is there a time when you were working with your students or maybe your peers and somebody said something and all of a sudden, rather than react in a way that was angry or short, the energy or example of your grandfather came through and you're able to stay cool? show that you trusted them and make them feel good in a way that helped you advance the relationship. That is so important. I could see that being something that rubbed off on me because as a kid, I saw how he acted when challenges arise or when a difficult thing came up, when something didn't go right or a customer wasn't happy. As a teacher, because you have to develop a, a relationship and rapport. A lot of times, if you are somebody who is a teacher who is constantly flying off the handle, losing their cool, the kids know that. 
and they know how to push the buttons and they know how to get what they want. You have to learn how to stay in leadership, stay in control and keep things moving forward. Do you remember maybe your first or second year teaching when you had an interaction and it just went a different way because of the way you grew up and the opportunity you had to see someone who could handle difficult situations by watching your grandfather. Absolutely. There was a time when I caught a student cheating. And what grade is this? This was ninth grade. And I I clearly saw it happen. I was upset that it was happening. It was a student that I thought, you're the last student I would have guessed. You're not a struggling student. So I was surprised. In that moment, I wanted to confront them right in the middle of them taking a test. Instead, I asked them to come outside room and told them what I saw. That individual, that girl, she broke down in tears. You would have thought that that she crushed her relationship with me because that was the last thing she wanted. I was able to handle that in a way where it didn't embarrass her in front of the whole classroom, which could have been something that would have been even more devastating. Yeah. I just admire the discretion you used with the little experience you had to bring someone outside because we never know what's going on into someone else's world when you can't catch someone doing something like that. It just shows that you have a lot of empathy being able to understand that you wanted to find out what's going on rather than just immediately react in the classroom as others might have done. Now, people say all the time that they have a message, that they have, in fact, I know a lot of 20-somethings who are my son's friends who are saying, gosh, I just want to be an influencer. I have a message. I want people to listen to me. They think that's their message. Listen to me. You've got a different take on it. And I'll tell you, they haven't gone very far with that approach. You have gone far. Share with me some of the distinctions that you make about what is a message? What's a messenger? And how do you know you have a message that's worth sharing that you can monetize? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up that point because it's very important that we understand that the message isn't really about us. I don't even like to consider myself to be an influencer because at the end of the day, I'm not the hero of the story. It's the people I want to help. And this is a difficult thing to understand when we are connected to social media and we see the people who seem like they have everything they want, how social media has provided everything they could ever want. But at the end of the day, your message is not really about you. It's about the people you want to help. I think that's a really important distinction. The other thing that's very important is at the end of the day, you have to be solving problems. That is what businesses do. Businesses solve problems. That's why people are willing to pay money or part with money because they see the value that you can bring to them is greater than the money I hand over to you. If I see that the value, the solution that you have is greater than the cost for me to exchange that money, then it's a good deal. We want business to be a good deal for both parties. Can you share an example of one of the students you've worked with who wasn't clear on what his or her message was, but you helped clarify that and they were able to gain traction and turn it not just from an interest or I know another hot button word for you is passion, but into a business by monetizing their message. About five years ago, I met an individual, his name is Brian. He came to one of my first live events. It was just for 15 people. I kept it very small. That weekend, he came to me and he said, here's my business idea. My business idea is everyone says I'm the energy guy. I have all this energy and I'm in good physical shape. I'm in my 50s and I want to help people with energy. I said, okay, that's great. But who is the audience? Let's get more specific. And anybody who wants to have energy, I said, okay, 
that's good, but we need to get more specific. There's a principle I learned years ago, and I've taught it over and over again. The more specific you can be, the more powerful your communication becomes. If you could be specific, your communication becomes way more powerful. So instead of being the energy guy, he said, I travel a lot for my work. So at the time, he was a trainer for a software company of about 300 people in Chicago, Illinois. And he traveled a lot and did training for different locations on people that were getting started up with the uh, software tool, things like that. And he figured out how to stay healthy, fit, good energy on the road, which is a struggle for a lot of travelers. I said, okay, we're on to something here. What if your audience were business travelers? We've got a specific audience and you help them with that energy. Lo and behold, today he's got a successful business. He's written three books. One in particular has done really well. It's called The Elite Road Warrior, and you can find him at EliteRoadWarrior.com. He does a lot of workshop, speaks. He's used his book and a book funnel and a podcast to build a business around his message. But he had to get really clear on who's the specific audience I'm trying to help. Jonathan, I've had this conversation with others and I'm sure you've had it even more times than I have. Haven't you had the occasion when people say, wait, everyone's my audience. I don't want to narrow because if I narrow, now I am decreasing my opportunity. How do you help them understand the paradox that the more specific you are, the more powerful your message can become. Here's a great example. It's my own story. When I first started online, I said, I'm going to be a career coach for everyone. And I did that for about six months, got zero traction. Then I had a mentor tell me, Jonathan, you have to be more specific. You need to narrow this down. I have been working with accounting and finance professionals as an executive recruiter for seven years. I did that after I stopped teaching. And I said, okay, I'll become the accounting and finance career coach. As soon as I did, everything changed. And here's a good example. This is why. If you are an accountant and you go to a website and it's general career coach, yes, you could help them, but in their mind, they're thinking, can they really help me with my specific problem? But as soon as I change that to a CPA career coach, I am a career coach for accountants, everything changed. Because now when they came on my website, their hand raised and they said, this is for me. If no one is raising their hand when they see your website and saying, oh, this is for me, you haven't gotten specific enough. That is the power of getting specific. It also means having confidence and courage to be able to say, I don't mind if somebody comes here and they are a construction worker and they see that I work with CPAs. I don't mind losing them because I know that the market I can serve best are people who are in the accounting field. They have to be able to be willing to polarize and say, there's some people that may be turned off. That's actually a mark that you're getting closer to being powerful and successful online rather than decreasing your opportunity. Isn't that true? Yes. I think what happens too, Bill, is we start thinking in terms of smaller numbers. We think if we niche too small, we're not going to have a whole lot of people to talk to. But that's just not true. Because think about accounting. How many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of accountants are there out there, that's not really niching down when you think about how many people are in the accounting and finance space. The other thing that I love about that approach, Jonathan, is that it takes the idea and says, stop thinking about it from your perspective and be thinking about it from the perspective of someone arriving at your site. Then it becomes very powerful because you instantly feel welcomed and more understood. So that I love that as a, a tip and a technique to share with people. That is a great point. And that's, that also 
also is why our website should not be about us as the hero. Here's all my credentials. Here's me. But it should be about how I help the person I'm trying to help. Let them become the hero. One of the other important distinctions that you bring to messengers is you say there are a lot of different ways to share your message. And it all comes down to four different roles. Can you talk about what those roles are and how important it is for someone to identify one of them as their primary role for conveying their message? I discovered this a couple of years ago when I did a an event and in the room at the time I was known as the blogging guy. A lot of people were following me to learn how to blog and build their business. But I had people also telling me I want to speak. I'm more of a coach. I started thinking, what are the different influencer voices out there? And why isn't there a, an assessment that can help us uncover where our motivation lies? That was the very genesis of what now is called my influence influencer voice assessment that we have had hundreds, if not actually thousands of people now go through to help them identify their influencer voice. The four are writer, teacher, speaker, and coach. The assessment is not a competency assessment because I believe over time you can build skills and all four can be working in your business. But there's one in particular that you're more motivated to do. It just comes a little bit more natural for you. For some people, if you say, hey, I want you to speak in front of this audience, they're going to want to write out their thoughts. They're going to want to process their thinking on paper as opposed to, and that, and that would be classified a writer, as opposed to someone who's a speaker who might say, put me on stage. Stuff will bubble out of me. I operate better in the moment than I do in trying to write out my thoughts. And then other people say, I'm a better question asker. I'm more of a coach. I ask really good questions and I pull things out of people and I love the creative process with another person. That's where the assessment comes into play because it helps you to uncover where your motivation lies because where your motivation lies is your fastest path to income. Can you share with me an example of a student you worked with who wanted to work with their message and get it out in the world and rather than spending a lot of energy working in an area that didn't come naturally, you helped them identify their strong suit and to play with that first so that it led to, like you say, the fastest path to reaching people and and being able to bring revenue in. Absolutely. Marva is from the Virgin Islands. She has been a public service leader management consultant in a public services company organization, I should say, around 200, 250 people. She always wanted to start doing her own thing. She wanted to step out, take all this knowledge she had in that role and do her own. But when she first came to me, she said, I don't want to be a coach. One-on-one coaching drains me. It's not something I feel gifted in or very good at. I just feel stuck because I feel like that's the only way forward for me is I have to choose something that I don't want to do or be. And she used this assessment to identify that writer came out first. Number two was teacher. I said, interesting. We got her working on a book. She worked on that book, published that book, I believe, last year. And from that book, she was able to form a Facebook group and lead people that were going through the book into this Facebook group. Then on the Facebook group, she used it as an opportunity to sell a one-day workshop where she was presenting like a teacher to a larger audience. It wasn't one-on-one back and forth, but I believe her first time she sold 15 to 20 people on her workshop, charged a couple hundred dollars. And on a Saturday, she had her pre 
presentation slides ready to go. She's using Zoom and she taught them for two hours and absolutely loved it. She said, I'm going to incorporate this into my business four times a year. I'm going to do that same model, teach the same workshop, bring people into my world. She's leveraging what she enjoys. She doesn't love the one-on-one coaching, so she's not built it into her. No matter what direction that someone picks, whether it's writing a book, whether it's creating a class, whether it's creating videos, whether it's interviewing people, that choice is the beginning of a whole workshop that you have to build yourself to learn. There are a lot of skills that are involved in each area. But as I listen to your story with Marva, I realized that I could hear her motivation saying, I'm willing to go to the next step. I'm willing to figure out how to do Facebook Live. I'm willing to know how to set up these group events on Zoom. I bet that willingness that drove her came from the success she was enjoying and feeling motivated, knowing that she was going to do something she liked rather than having to do something she dreaded. I'm sure as coaching her, you found some observations with her as well as others that making that choice at the start is really important to keep that momentum going. It absolutely is. It's very important that you design a business that you want. While we are trying to serve people, that is important. We need to do the things that we need to do to serve people. It's also important to take it out to, okay, what if you were, let's say you were super successful at what it is you want to do. Are you happy with that? Are you good with that? Does it fit the ultimate goals for your life? How many times we have a work at the center and then we try to figure out how to fit life in. But what if we started with life at the center, then fit work in to how it is that we want to show up for people and have the life that we enjoy? That's exactly what Marva's story proves to us is you don't have to choose something just because you think you have to. You get to decide. It's your business. So true. And one of the things that I know from experience as well as working with many other business leaders is how important habits are. And you talk about having certain habits that help you as someone who wants to build a business and monetize your knowledge online, how those four habits serve you. Can you share what they are, please, Jonathan? This came out of my own frustration. Back in 2011, 2012, I felt like I was doing too much. I had a successful coaching practice. I'd started a second business helping people get their message out there. And I needed to start outsourcing. The weight of the responsibility felt like on my shoulders. Why do I feel like I'm getting to the end of the day and never get anything accomplished? So I started studying mentors of mine and I started looking at how how are they approaching their week? Where did they spend the majority of their time? What I discovered, Bill, was there was four keystone habits in this, let's say, online messenger space where we're helping people with our message. These are the four. The first one's create. So they were spending time creating free value like we're doing here today. They had a podcast or they had a blog or they were a, had a YouTube channel to use that to attract their audience to them. They were creating, but they were just creating for creating sake. This is where a lot of people miss this, especially small business owners, because they're like, you're telling me I have to blog. You're telling me I have to podcast. I'm already busy enough. How does that actually turn into revenue? That's the big question. The key is the second habit, which is called the capture habit. Now, the capture habit is the reason why we're creating all this content, because we want to capture contact information of potential leads. For me and my business, that's what my podcast does. That's what I have a a blog. I have a YouTube channel. I do a live stream show in my Facebook group. All of that is to lead them into capturing their contact information. I think many small businesses really have seen the importance of this in the last two years. But when you 
have that email list, that becomes the energy and lifeblood of your business. So that's number two. Number three is the compile habit. In our space, that is compiling your knowledge and experience into products and services. That could be courses or a membership site or a one-day workshop or a live event. It could be a book, it could be a lot of things. But what are you leading people to? We're creating free value to attract our audience we're capturing their contact information so we can have a relationship with them. Then we are building that relationship by showing them things that they can purchase. We can be helpful to them in their life. Finally, it's the connect habit. The connect habit goes back to the beginning and it's the traffic. How are we going to use social media in the right way that we don't get lost or get frustrated with? Or how are we going to use Facebook ads or how are we going to use these different traffic sources to bring people into our world. If you can spend the majority of your week as a messenger is what I call it, in those four areas, they all work together to build the business you're trying to build. For your own business or maybe one of your students, how does that look Monday through Friday? What are the hours and allocations that you put in place on your schedule in order to make sure you're hitting those on a regular basis? I'll give you an example. This is one of my favorites. It's Lisa and she lives in Paris. She uh, lived in the US for many years, decided she wanted to move to Paris. She loved Paris. She got a job with a touring company in Paris after, and I believe the touring company had somewhere between less than probably 50 employees at her company. She loved taking people on tours. But what she noticed was in the process of that, she noticed that uh, a lot of the touring companies in Paris we're all hitting the same places. It's the places people want to see, the Eiffel Towers, the those type of places. But she said there's like this hidden area of Paris that people don't ever see. It's these little shops where you can buy awesome desserts and food. She loved food. So she stepped out and started Flavors of Paris. But she was like, how do I get people to show up as a tour? Not only that, but I don't want to just depend on tours either, especially the last couple of years, right? The travel industry dried up. I got to leverage my knowledge online. Using the example of working on a schedule, here was what she began to do. She began to see the importance of if I can't have everybody in person, I'm going to collect them online. She started a free Facebook group. Within in two weeks, she had 900 plus people in that Facebook group. Since she lived in Paris, she could show them areas of Paris and what was going on in Paris that they couldn't do otherwise. Then she thought, there's this saying for people who love Paris, they're called Francophiles. They, they just love that culture. And so she said, what if I started a membership site online for people who, while they can't live in Paris like I can, they want to experience everything about Paris. She started leveraging her membership sites. When it comes to her time, the create, the capture, the compile and connect, the create was her free Facebook group where she would show things of Paris that are behind the scenes most people don't get to see. She would capture them on an email list from that Facebook group compile, she would lead them to her membership site so she could have recurring revenue during a time where she was unable to offer tours. The connect obviously connects back to just how you're going to get people into your Facebook group. There's a, an example of somebody who took their passion and leveraged it and used these four keystone habits. Once you realize that these were four distinct habits, four distinct activities that took place during the week, how did that affect how overwhelmed you felt? Because that's what led to you researching how others were dealing with that problem. The thing we suffer from is having too many options. 
this is not the turn of the century back in the 1900s. We didn't have enough options, especially during the Great Depression. We didn't have options. You had to go stand in the bread line. You had to hope that you could get some work. That's not what we face today. What we face today is having too many options. Because of that, you've got to get focused. Our number one enemy is broken focus because we dabble in a lot of things but we don't dominate in any one thing. And as soon as I started evaluating the stuff I was working on, does this fit into the four habits? I started realizing where my time had been wasted because I spent too much time learning, getting sucked into social media, doubting and not taking action, all of those things. I started realizing that while these four habits work together like a well-oiled machine to keep me moving forward. Jonathan, what's one thing that you're excited about now in your business? I'm really excited about our live event. It's awesome to have back uh, in-person events. We also have virtual as well. We'll have about 50% of our attendees attending virtually. It's called Your Message Matters Live. It's right off of the book for people who enjoyed the book. It's a opportunity to do a deep dive for two days and get in a room with other writers, speakers, teachers, and coaches to get encouragement, to get insight, to help them overcome challenges that they might be facing in order to build that business. What we love to do is we say, bring your passion and leave with a profit plan. That sounds terrific. It also makes such a difference just to get out of your day-to-day routine, to step away and go somewhere to accomplish something and get it done in a short amount of time rather than dabbling at it and just touching base over weeks or months. Yes, that is the value of events. That's why I like going to events too. It gets me out of my routine and it helps me to do a deep, dive into one specific thing, which is my business. Jonathan, there's an aspect of your business I want to ask you about now. Are you ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round? Let's do it. When you were growing up, Jonathan, what's a song that you loved as a teenager? I loved Right Here Waiting for You. Wherever you go, wherever you are, I'm right here waiting for you. Richard Marks, it came to me. Of all the places that you put content out, where has the best response come from the free content that you've put out in the last three months? By far, it's been in a Facebook group. I think people are sleeping on Facebook groups. I, I think there's an opportunity there that most people don't realize. What's one insight you've had about how to call people out or bring your message to them in a way that makes it more distinct? It's by getting them on a phone call and really helping them with their problem. For a long time, I was just an online business. But the moment I said, let's start working where my coaches get on phone calls with people, that's where we really started helping them with their specific. You're able to not just tell them you could help them, you're able to show them you could help them. Absolutely. Very important. Jonathan, what would you say is the best advice you ever received? Clarity comes from movement. As a learner, I like to learn. As an entrepreneur, you have to take action. Not so much that I was procrastinating, but I do believe that I sometimes the lure of learning can think you're making progress, but it's actually action that gives you the results. What would you say is the worst life advice you ever received? No attribution needed, but when you look back and just say, oh man, I'm glad I didn't follow that. I would say, because I've got a few here, I would say the whole idea of hustle and grind, that if you want to make something for yourself, you have to want it so bad and you've got to work your your fingernails to the bone in order to get it. I understand the idea of commitment, but 
it's that's not necessarily true. We can have a fulfilling life and pursue stuff. We what would you say is the most important habit, routine, or belief that you've eliminated in the last year that's led to the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? Get out of your own way is something I'm constantly learning. The idea that I'm the biggest bottleneck in the business. And to be more specific, the entrepreneur is usually the idea, the founder is usually the idea person. Once you have a team, things change. And if you're constantly coming with new ideas, what you don't realize is you're frustrating your team because you're constantly changing the game on them. That's a lesson that I've learned is to hold back on the ideas, even though I'm so excited about it. What kind of a difference has it made by creating that pause before telling someone we're working on a new project or well, I've had a great new idea, let's start working on this. What is that momentary reflection given you in terms of keeping your team focused on what needs to be done to move the business? That's easy. Better results because we are taking time to do things well instead of always starting things. And that's been a big lesson is so important that if you find something you want to go towards and you allow your team to go toward it and everybody's working together, that's much better than constantly changing, switching, moving to something else. Better results are what people are going to get from listening to your message, your frameworks, your ideas, and the experiences and results that you've created for others. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Jonathan. You've shared a great deal of valuable information about how to make your message matter. We talked about some great examples. We talked about the framework, the four ways to share your message online and four habits for being able to do it on a consistent basis so that you're organized and not scattered. Listening to this and applying it will help people become to overcome the enemy of progress, which, as you said, was broken focus. And instead of becoming a dabbler to actually dominate the business area that you want to be successful in. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me on my quest for the best. Bill, thanks for having me. Jonathan, before we say goodbye for now, where is it that people can find out more about you and your work online? All the principles we talked about today can be found in the book. And the best place to find out more about the book is at yourmessagemattersbook.com. Jonathan, we're going to point to yourmessagemattersbook.com. We're going to point to your other websites, your social media, and other places to buy your book online. So it's super easy for people to find in the show notes how to keep up with you and what you're doing these days. Jonathan Milligan, author of Your Message Matters, to rise above the noise and get paid for what you know. I want to thank you once again for joining me on my quest for the best. Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.